Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and another Oscar race checkpoint. I think this is three in a row now for us, mm. as we are once again touching on Oscar shortlists, Oscar potential nominations, Critics' Choice nominations, sign, etc., etc. We're doing it all on this episode. All the stuff that we have not yet touched on in our last two ORCs. We're trying to get a, a big picture roundup here for you guys. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Yes, the Oscar shortlists are the focus of the day. We may go a little further than that and cover like the 15 categories we didn't really touch on in last episode. But last episode was fun, Mike, because we kind of we, we focused on the big eight categories, picture director, the four acting and the two screenplays. That's like our our you know, go to every year. We love mm-hmm. focusing on those. We love building up to the main card, as we call it, you know, to put some fight speech on it. But uh, I think the undercard is in this particular year gonna be a lot of fun for me like i'm into a lot of these movies yeah i'm into a couple of these categories i'm i'm, I'm deep in you are i mean you're a couple suggestions away from a straitjacket with how you've treated this movie <laughs> you have seen like you always see everything you have seen everything this year well i'm getting there because there's always more but this <laughs> google document let me just say i just apologize to you for because this has ballooned out it's inexcusable of, what happened my is, jaw dropped when i saw this google document earlier this afternoon here what you've done with is it. how oblivious i was <laughs> like i'm scrolling and it's i'm on page page 19 and i didn't realize i was on page 19 until i'm filling out page 19 michael yeah and usually we do like all right 10 pages is an hour so this is going to be a nice succinct seven part deep dive series into the uh undercard of the potential oscars picture no we'll talk about the oscar shortlist like mike said that's going to be our main target but of course as always we'll touch on everything ancillary as we always do in these orcs everything that has to do with shaping the oscars picture as we get nearer and nearer to the big awards date so let's start where we are least qualified to analyze but somehow (laughs) where I was clairvoyant last year when I predicted Bombshell for the win this time two years ago in our way too early predictions for makeup and hairstyling, one of my greatest calls ever. So, four of the six critics' choice noms for makeup and hair are in the shortlist. We have Emma. Yes, and Emma is just glorious weaves and uh, just beautiful hair in Emma, Michael. We have Hillbilly Elegy. And Hillbilly Elegy is just this uproarious and hilarious <laughs> hair and this the frizziness and, and Hillbilly Elegy, Michael. Good job by you there. We have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I think we both expected, and Mank, which may be a coattails nom here. Do you remember anything aside from Amanda Seyfried's beautiful hair there in Mank? Well, Tom Pelfrey and Gary Old, well, not Gary Oldman, but Tom Pelfrey and company, they got the matted down 1930s, 40s goop, you know, just the just <laughs> goop on the head. It's really not, it's just like paint, just black tar paint. 
for hair? It's that Gorilla Glue. Have you seen the Gorilla, the poor Gorilla Glue woman going around that's viral right now? That's pretty much what it looked like, yeah. But Gary Oldman's got these beautiful locks still, and a lot of people have beautiful hair, and a lot of the women in the film, including Amanda Seedfried, had that 1930s, 40s Zelda Fitzgerald quaff thing going on from mm-hmm. Downton Abbey season four and a half. Don't know why I know that, but Michael, I think the hair is beautiful, and the more I talk about it, I guess the more it makes sense. You know damn well why you know that. Don't play coy with me, sir. All right, let's get away from the Critics' Choice for a second. We'll talk about the other six nominations here in Makeup and Hair on the Oscar shortlist. We have Birds of Prey and the blah, blah, blah Harley Quinn. That's on the shortlist. So I thought Suicide Squad won this Oscar in 2016, Mike, because of Killer Croc. Mm -hmm. I didn't think Suicide Squad won because of Harley Quinn, but look at what's been nominated in recent years. You have Joker, you have Suicide Squad, and you have The Dark Knight. They have all been nominated in this category. I'm shocked that the Nicholson movie in 89 was not nominated. So mm-hmm. does this category, do they just love clown makeup? Yeah, that's that's the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad to you and me, <laughs> sir. I, I, there's something to that. I don't know if it's some, you know, they're... The Academy at large just has that many tie-ins with WB and DC and all those, but they there is a consistency recently of people painting their face white and getting makeup. Now, even look up Maleficent was in there a couple years ago too. I know that's a little <laughs> different, but there's that kind of draw to this Academy in this category for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. Look, uh, Angelina Jolie's cheekbones—they're well established in this business. <laughs> they made them a little pointier, but yeah, I I, I don't know. We do have some other interesting picks here as well, Michael. Three period pieces, two from the 60s, one from the 90s with One Night in Miami, The Glorias and The Little Things, and then we have two fantasy films, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Say That Five Times Fast If You Can, and Pinocchio, which apparently was a movie that came out this year. So, again, Gerald Leto. Jared Leto's got this, like, strange gravity to him, right? Because mm-hmm. why else is The Little Things getting nominated there? I... The little things may have more appeal than everybody wants to admit. Everybody I, wants s- to watch it. I liked watching it. I mean, it, right? Yeah. And, and, I mean, it's three likable leads. It's not a terrible movie. I, I keep saying that. I know, but that's my case for it. It's not a terrible movie. Here's your Oscars. <laughs> Twenty twenty wouldn't be the first time. Let's be honest. But I, I do like these two fantasy nominations. I, I'm thrilled that Italian Hair and Pinocchio is getting nominated. I'm I'm also <laughs> thrilled that Jingle Jangle is getting a lot mm-hmm. of uh, spots on this short list, Mike, because I thought the production values were just stupendous. Gorgeous hair, fun hair in that film. Talk about braiding. Oh my God, they must have spent you know hours and hours. I I, I love yeah. that movie's production values. Netflix did a great job production value wise we'll have some uh, stats on them later on as well so as far as the category overall i kind of feel like makeup and hair is one that's either super obvious or just a complete toss-up wtf every year Mm -hmm. like the last five winners were bombshell vice darkest hour suicide squad and mad max those make sense to me but if you go back in history with this category, can you tell me exactly what won the Grand Budapest Hotel the Oscar over Foxcatcher <laughs> and Guardians of the Galaxy or the Iron Lady over Albert Knobs and Deathly Hollows Part 2? I don't I don't get it. It could be two things. It could be uh well they had that uh that birthmark on Sir Ronan's face that was <laughs> done, but it also could be the drawn on mustache. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but sure. Tilda, yeah. Swinton, Tilda Swinton was uh, playing like uh, basically the character from Suspiria, but also in in <laughs> Grand Budapest. No, in I a think, pop up book. Yeah, I think some years it's very subtle and it's a quantity, and some other years there's like a singular character whose transformation they really focus on. And for me this year, that character is Ma Rainey from Ma Rainey's Black agree. Bottom. So far, I think she's the front runner. And the fact that the United States versus Billie Holiday and, uh, well, definitely the, the United States versus Billie Holiday, another blues movie not being in there, can't really cannibalize the vote. And I'm surprised that the yeah. Critics' Choice nom didn't cross over. The other Choice nom that's not here in terms of a snub is Promising Young Woman, you know, gorgeous hair for Carrie Mulligan. I'm not surprised that's not there because other than the iconic wig, you know, sure. again, style points for me. But, uh, you know, look, I think the pundits have been all over the place. Bill and Ted faced the music, the prom. Again, U.S. versus Billie Holiday. They were on a lot of people's top five lists and uh, did not show up at all here. Yeah, a promising young woman, I think, would get more. It's going to show up later on as we talk about this. I think that's more to do with costume, makeup, and hair necessarily. But, uh, all right, let's 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 talk about what we let off here with. Mm-hmm. Why is this category even more important this year than most others? How dare Hillbilly Elegy show up here? <laughs> it's bad, Mike, and it's about to get worse because, look, I think a lot of my outspokenness, okay, mm-hmm. has been trying to shield our dearest Connecticutian Glenn <laughs> Close from this terrible, terrible eventuality where that charming British pixie steals another Oscar from her and hiccups through another hilarious and charming acceptance speech. <laughs> We tried our damnedest. We don't want close nominated Mike because if she's not nominated, she can't get hurt this bad. Right. Right. But here, with this short list spot for Hillbilly Elegy and the fact that things just tend to go against us, Michael, Hillbilly Elegy, if it shows up here, I'm going to be clairvoyant and predict that the predictors, the pundits, are going to say like they did with Judy, like they did with the wife for opposite reasons because Judy got that second nom and the wife never did. And mm-hmm. all the stack gods are going to be saying, well, now Glenn Close can win if they get this nomination. Yeah, it's a good now point. Glenn Close could win. And we're just going to get this best achievement in lack of makeup and frizzy hair nom <laughs> that will raise the hopes of film Twitter. And hell, by the end of it, Michael, we're even going to be talking ourselves into it because people that we really respect out there they've been predicting glenn close forever and we're going to even come around and this is going to happen on oscar night and then we're going to be shocked again when olivia coleman stumbles up to that virtual podium and she's just like i can't believe it there's no way nobody can win an oscar for acting two years husband and i have that close to each other except for olivia coleman there's no way except when olivia coleman ups that's Glenn Close. It's oh happening. My God. It's happening again. Because look, you can't tell me that that godless, heartless, brainless film about ye- about yelling at ill people, yelling at ill people and lab- labeling them as bad Terminators, that movie's going to win an Oscar in any universe. God help us. God help Glenn Close. I can't believe we're going to be in this position again, Michael. I, I Listen, I, I don't even know what I want, to be honest, because I just... I cannot see her losing this again to Olivia Coleman. I just cannot. But here's the thing. Do you hope you're right or do you hope you're wrong? Because what would it be sweeter? 
Would it be sweeter if Glenn Close channels Norma Desmond and does, you know, does yeah. the Sunset Boulevard thing and wins like in a legitimate fashion, or if she gets this pity Oscar for this pitiful, you know, not a, it's all right. It, she's good in it again. Again, I'm gonna talk myself into it. But this pity Oscar against. Just because it's against Olivia Coleman again? Yeah, again, I, I still think you legacy. should give it to just the kid, the hell in his angle at that point. If you're an Oscar voter, is going to be like just hovering their pencils in my, in my brain. It's an actual physical ballot that they mail in. They're going to be hovering their pencils over those two, and then you're just going to, you know, go to the bottom of the, uh, you know, uh, ballot there and click somebody else's name, whoever that is. And Maria Bakalova walks away. <laughs> yes. Like, God, if it. You, Yu Jung Yoon, maybe. I, again, I, I could see if Minari gets enough traction and it's got a lot of momentum lately. Of momentum. I just, God, I can't see Olivia Colman. That would, again, I said it last episode. That would be, I don't care about Moonlight and La La Land. That would be the most stunning Oscar story ever to me. That the Academy would do this to this woman twice in I, the span of three years. I want her gone. I don't want her nominated. I don't want her here. I don't either. I, don't I want either. her home with that beautiful doggie yeah. practicing her, you know, getting ready for her getting close ready for up a close up, yeah. In that mirror, that scene while the Oscars are going on and she'll be ready for for her next movie. Well, Remains to be seen. We're going to be on top of it. Let's go on to VFX, visual effects. Last year, 1917 won the Oscar. Avengers Endgame won the Critics' Choice. Four of five crossovers were there as well. The Irishman, Lion King, Avengers, and 1917 were both nominated at the Oscars and the Critics' Choice Award. Episode 9 got an Oscar, no Critics' Choice nom. Ad Astra, Ford v. Ferrari, the Aeronauts also all got Critics' Choice noms in the category. Yeah, we have another four crossing over between the choice and the Oscar shortlist uh, this year, Mike. We have Mank, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, and Tenant, uh, which leads the critic scoreboards, by the way, with six wins. Those last three make some sense to me, or on first blush, blush made some sense to me, but in our pre-production conversation, you helped that first nomination, that yeah. first slot make some sense. Why Mank here? Yeah, I had the same kind of reaction. I thought, you know, I was a little, what the hell does Mank do with VFX? I don't remember any of it. And then I went out of my way. I went out of my way to look up some videos and explanations to what exactly was VFX in the movie because it was, to me, and what I remember most about Mank is the lavish sets. And I thought they were all practical and, Mm -hmm. you know, they were all really there. So what exactly was VFX? After doing some research, Mank should probably win this category from what I've seen. <laughs> like, uh, Art Temple Hollywood on YouTube has a six and a half minute video. I Everybody should have to go watch this and check it out. It, pretty much every set in this movie, it turns out, was digitally enhanced to look the way it does, which I think is even more amazing when you take into consideration it was only there to act as background and setting. It's really astonishing. Like, that internet meme of you really didn't have to go so hard should apply to this film in this category because when you see how every setting is enhanced, it's truly wild, and it's just for mood and aesthetics purposes. I I didn't notice it. I don't think most people would notice it unless they know what they're looking for. It's it's incredible. I watched that movie six times, Michael. I did not notice it. Right. I, I, I didn't either. I was like, why? this is obviously just because Mank is going to be a Best Picture contender and this is what everyone wants. I was like, this is a throw-in for the... It's really not. I, I mean, some of the stuff they add in, we take it for granted because it just looks so beautiful and so practical, and it's not. Well, that's why I think in the campaigning this year, a lot of these studios should channel their featurette game 
like they've done with DVDs and Blu-rays in the past. This year, before your Q&As, you know, give like two and a half minutes of the making of footage before all those Academy voters or whoever's going to be watching that Q&A with the special invite, the special link, or the the, the pundits that you have involved. I mean, show them those clips. Don't just post them on YouTube. Don't just put them for some fans on Netflix. Put them out there in front of your, you know, kind of virtual meet and greets. I think, I think people know that it's going to make, it's going to make some headway. I, I think that's a really good idea, and that would actually make a difference, certainly amongst the voters. And or the, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know what's on that Academy streaming site, and we've seen people talk about what's you know showing there on a nightly basis on Twitter. But if they have those special add-ons or those DVD extras, for lack of a better term, yeah, it could make a real impact. And yeah, I think you got to somehow force people to watch them because there's a lot of sure. stuff to watch. Yeah. I'm sure you know guilty voters are like, all right, I'll watch Sound of Metal right. instead of you know, clicking around but, for 45 uh, minutes and then I have something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not the YouTube generation like you right. are necessarily. Right. So anyway, but you're right. I mean, if they put, if they make that stuff readily available and put it in front of uh, some programs, that would make some sense. Michael, the Academy also made some customary picks, I would say with this short list for VFX DC's birds of prey. That one makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got CGI animals talking to Brian Cranston and the one and only Ivan. That makes sense. Those really effects. just rubbing it and do little's face there. But go ahead. <laughs> Those effects look great. I mean, that looked like a you know almost real gorilla, real dogs talking to each other, and yeah, just you know dancing with Brian Cranston. Uh, Bloodshot. This kind of surprised me, but when I think back to the trailer, it probably should not have surprised me. Those. Uh, like dying and then coming back to life of video game effects looked phenomenal. Totally video game effects. And it, it, you, I mean the trailer alone, I have not seen the movie, but I know the trailer alone was so CGI heavy that it, it really does make a lot of sense. I have successfully avoided that movie for <laughs> all of the pandemic, almost clicking on it a hundred times, almost paying for it. And now I like kind of want to watch it. I got this mm-hmm. sick fascination with it. It's Oscar. Nominee. What a snob I am, Michael. <laughs> Here's a movie that, I actually been wanting to watch, but I every time I want to watch it, I can't find the time or whatever. Love and Monsters. So, Which feels like the type of film that was actually helped by the pandemic right. in terms of Oscars recognition and word of mouth. I mean, don't forget how many contenders in this category specifically, the big blockbuster type, the, the types with all the money behind them did get pushed off going into future years. So mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, why not get a little, get a, a lesser known film like love and monsters that otherwise may not get the time of day. I, I think that's, that's good. And, and doing some cursory reading about those two, I think they were fairly low budget, you know, big, yeah. big blockbuster effects, but done for, for low budget. So Love and Monsters, especially, but even Bloodshot, I don't think Bloodshot had a huge budget to it. All right. Now we talked about some customary picks. These are not customary picks. I'm surprised by these two nominations, even though they have been rumored for a couple weeks. I'm, I'm happy to see them come through. You have Pixar Soul and you have the HBO documentary that's going to show up later. Welcome to Chechnya. Has to be one of the first, if not only, times that a that a documentary gets recognized and mm-hmm. on the short list for a VFX category, right? According to Ann Thompson, yes, it is. It's one of the six things she learned from the short list, which is a great article uh, out today or yesterday. I'm sure it's still out today when you guys listen on IndieWire.com there. But yeah, that's the, the first time ever documentary VFX. And Soul, okay, does that mean anything for Best Picture? 
I think it is a show of strength. Yeah, I mean, if Soul gets, you know, original score, VFX, what else can it get? It's got, right. you know, it, but then it can, all right, then you're saying, all right, it's string it together four noms if it right. gets best picture. Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could you could make the case. That would that would be nice. That'd be a good story. That'd be something that gets me excited about this award season. I'm getting there with it too. That's why I'm saying like soul. I didn't want you know you put it put a gun to my head last episode, which you usually do in real life, but also in episodes. Mm-hmm. True facts. I uh, I didn't want to count it out. I didn't want to count soul out, and here's why. I think uh, I think those are good signs, Michael. As for critics' choice nominations that were snubbed in the Oscar shortlist, there's no Greyhound here from Apple TV Plus via Sony. There's no Invisible Man or Wonder Woman 1984. Which are you more surprised about? Because I haven't decided which I'm more surprised about. I, Greyhound, I could take or leave in this category, but those last two, I'm, I'm fairly surprised that neither The Invisible Man nor Wonder Woman 84 is here. So here's the thing about Greyhound. I feel like Greyhound is, like, you know it's computer animation. And we've seen it a thousand times. Yes, but also it's, like, so stylized and cool-looking that I don't walk away from watching Greyhound saying, oh my God, what an animated film. And no, I, I walk away from that movie saying, that's really awesome. That's like Godzilla versus, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, mm-hmm. which I know is animated. I know it's CGI, but, or, you know, what? Yeah. Kong Skull Island, whatever. You, you, you know, it's, it's not real, but it looks cool as hell. So right. I'm surprised Greyhound didn't get picked. The Invisible Man and Wonder Woman 1984 they had some issues with their VFX. Like they had some, re- they had some real. Uh, let's just put it. They had some bad scenes, some bad effects. Even though I thought the Invisible Man had some cool effects too. Yeah, it could be a case of. Look, I know a lot of people are very high on the Invisible Man this year, yeah. uh, and I understand why. But we were kind of tempered on it, and it for us it kind of makes sense if that's our prism that it makes it. It could be a case of the movie held it back from these categories. It's, Wonder Woman 84 is not without its flaws too, obviously. It's possible. Invisible Man did not have legs this award season. It might mm-hmm. just be one of those things. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984, though, the highs of those effects, when they're done well, are great, but when they're done bad, they're cheetah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, my good. snub was Sputnik. Sput- Sputnik is on who yeah, right you've been high up. You've been high on that all year. That Midnight Barf Monster, that looked real. <laughs> Should have seen my Midnight Barf Monster yesterday, but we can move on here. Let's talk about some music in the original score category. Last year, Joker won both the Critics' Choice and the Oscar, and there was a four of five Oscar slash Critics' Choice crossover, including Joker, as well as Little Women, 1917, and Marriage Story. The Oscars also had a late-breaking Star Wars nomination, uh, while the Critics' Choice rightfully had Jordan Peele's Us and The Irishman. What is happening this year, Michael? All right, a lot is happening, and we got 15 this year. We've got our Golden Globe sensible top five that we mm-hmm. talked about, uh, and we got the sixth nominee from the Critics' Choice. So to go back over that, the Critics' Choice scoreboard leader, Pixar Soul, and Mank, who share work by two composers, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, with John Batiste uh, in Soul, but Atticus Ross and Reznor are for both. So this is the duel up top. You wonder if uh, it's going to go well for them or if it's going to hurt that they're both nominated. I wonder if Batiste is going to be a difference maker there too because I feel like I have one take about this entire category and I'm sorry for it, but it's what I truly feel and I'm going to just keep repeating it probably (laughs) every time we talk about score. But 
Resner and Ross to me should win this category, but having t- the best two scores of the year, in my opinion, I don't see how they don't cannibalize each other unless everyone just wants to default with giving it to soul because it's both a music based movie. And there's another incredibly talented artist attached to that score in John Baptiste. Well, I will say this. I feel like their work in Mank and their work in, uh, soul they're totally different scores yes, agree. like the soul score is like the social network but for heaven can wait and then the the better jazz than la la land there was la la land and just better real jazz from john batiste yeah but we just, don't get yeah. batiste jazz unless gosling saves the entire genre so don't forget that that's very mm-hmm. not true but yeah and I in think... my room a long time mike <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm hoping that they don't cannibalize each other is what I'm trying to say. And I do think the soul score is better, even though I, I wonder if the old Hollywood cronies would go for the, you know, let's harken back to that 1940 well, score kind of thing. Look, don't overlook the old Hollywood cronies also watching late night TV, cable TV still. And John Batiste is on every night with Stephen Colbert as the okay. band leader. So okay. uh, there could be some sort of, I was thinking about that earlier today too. I mean, you know, I know it's only me and people in the age range of 60 to 80 that watch cable TV anymore, but it's still Stephen Colbert is the most widely watched late night TV host. And John Batiste is there every night. He's a familiar face. Well, John Batiste deserves an Oscar for what Agreed. he did in Soul. However, Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor, they already have Oscars. True. Michael Ludwig, Ludwig Goransson, uh, formerly a Black Panther, he did the Tenant score that also got a choice and a Globe. So that's, again, that's a former winner. We have Alexander Desplat, who's won twice, The Shape of Water. I've seen uh, a lot of praise for that one, too, from him. As, I mean, everything Desplat always does, he, he gets praise, but I've seen it specifically for this year. And the score for Midnight Sky was excellent. It almost yeah. felt like kind of a throwback, almost like the News of the World score from James Newton Howard, Mike. And that particular score that old Western kind of score, Reduxed. James Newton Howard's been nominated eight times, no Oscars, Mike. So Mm. this could be a imperative situation for a great Hollywood, you know, composer getting his first Oscar. And man, that makes a lot of sense too. If this is going to be the Oscars year where we just have every feel good story packed into one show where all the longtime legacy picks finally break through. Cause we have uh, James Newton Howard, Glenn Close, Diane Warren. I mean, it could happen on a lot of different categories. But here's the wild card. Guana Deter won last year from Joker, right? Mm-hmm. And she, she was breaking in. And we have another breakthrough, break into this category kind of newcomer, Emil Mosseri, who did the score for a Minari, Mike. And everybody's been raving about film Twitter about this. Yeah, and Mosseri is a name that's on the come up. My, my apologies if I did mispronounce it there. But his score for last year, The Last Black Man at San Francisco, a lot of people were very high on that we know film twitter the critics especially i mean to say nothing about any kind of musical branch with the academy but the critics are in love with minari by and large and it's right now like i just said a little bit ago it's in the middle of having this huge kind of couple of day span where it's got a lot of momentum behind it and he's going to be up for the rain song which is coming up an original song too anyway we have a bunch more scores here. I'll get through them relatively quick. Ammonite, Blizzard of Souls, which is a Latvian war movie that uh, I'm sure you uh, watched. It's, all, it's on my list. Yeah, it's on the list. No, it's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. Ammonite of was pretty good, by the way, too. Yeah. What 
movie are we going to talk about today that you haven't seen, honestly? <laughs> there's some. There's definitely okay. some. All but right. this was on my $75 international film thing, and it was a war movie, so I was like, yeah, let me click on this all the day. It was a parade of sadness, but <laughs> I will pledge loyalty to the lot. You know, I felt patriotic for Latvia. It was their number one block- blockbuster of all time, Mike. Anyway, Why is I- the Latvian national anthem your number one stream song on Spotify this year? <laughs> they had some 1917 effects, let me just say, in Blizzard right. Souls. Worth watching. The Life Ahead with Sophia Loren uh, is here. The Little Things, Michael, is here. Don't sleep! Don't sleep on it! (laughs) All of these scores, Michael, under pain of death. If I'm being waterboarded (laughs) or tortured, you must sing me a note from one of these scores. I could not. I'm so Mm -hmm. score deaf. I feel so bad. But I'm going to have to, you know, we'll have to rewatch and listen to these scores. Minari score, I I could not. Now me either, to be honest. To be honest, to I couldn't either. To save right my life, I couldn't hum a, hum a note. I'm with you. I'm with you right there. I could tell you beat for beat what happened in the story, my screenplay, you know, education. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, look, the short list you have to five bloods from Terrence Blanchard. We reviewed that. Uh, the Invisible Man. I don't remember the score at all. I remember loving the music in Jingle Jangle. I remember being higher on the music in Mulan than uh you know some of the other production values right the trial of the chicago seven i remember that upbeat score i remember liking the score giving that a positive review so as far as what the crossover is this year with critics choice Desplot is there Gorenson is there for the midnight sky and tenet respectively james newton howard is there as well for news of the world masari uh resner and atticus ross twice those are all the names we've talked about is there anyone glaring as far as an omission on either the short list or the critics choice that you're looking at mike so for me, no, I didn't really, you know, go through everybody's predictions. I have a couple that I really liked and French exit pieces of a woman. I thought those scores really worked. I just didn't expect them to be here, but I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm really high on those two scores, but yeah, this, this seemed like a, a list that made sense to me. All right. Good to know. We can stay in the musical mood with original song. Last year, Rocket Man from Elton John and Bernie Toppin won both the choice and the Oscar. Uh, though with the choice, there was a tie with Glasgow from Wild Rose. Otherwise, we had another four of five crossovers in this category as well between Critics' Choice and Oscars Sunday, including Frozen 2, Rocket Man, Harriet, and Breakthrough. They all got both Wild Rose, The Lion King, and Aladdin were choice only. Toy Story 4 was the one who ended up with the last Oscars nom. Mike Michael, uh, sing me some bars, please. I won't let you throw yourself <laughs> away. You. All right. Uh, two more chances for Diane Warren on this Oscar shortlist from 2020, Mike. We have 11 Oscar nominations in her uh, history with the Academy Awards. I don't know what she did. I don't know who she pissed <laughs> off. I don't know what happened there. But Diane Warren has free from the one and only I- uh, uh, Ivan I- or Ireland. Uh, mm-hmm. The one and only Ivan. And uh, she has Low C from The Life Ahead. Low C is a Globe nom. Probably her better chance, even though I, I like both songs. So we do have tough competition in this category, but they're all kind of anthems, it seems, uh, mm-hmm. from documentaries. Right now we have Janelle Monet's Turntables from All In. We have Mary J. Blige uh, giving us See What You've Done from Belly of the Beast. John Legend has Never Break from Giving Voice. And then there's Show Me Your Soul from the documentary Mr. Soul. And then as far as narrative features go, uh, we have Hear My Voice from Celeste for The Trial of Chicago 7, which has been losing steam with pundits, it would seem, at least in the last few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a newly minted 
contender status for Fight For You from her, coming from Judas and the Black Messiah, though. Uh, otherwise, we're looking at the same frontrunner we've been looking at all season in terms of Speak Now from Leslie Odom Jr.'s coming out of One Night in Miami. All right, so in the documentary feature category, you have typically five issue docs, four issue docs about some of the most serious problems plaguing the planet. And then maybe you have a fun, you know, doc about one of our childhood TV stars. Right. <laughs> right. It's just really hard. Like when you have anthems about such serious subject matter that people, you know, are, are galvanized behind and that are so important to society and that really work and that, oh my God, they're beautiful from those big names, Barry J. Blige, John Legend, Janelle Monet. How do you pick against them? How do you pick Mulan song, Loyal, Brave, and Chew from Christina Aguilera. I mean, I, I like that song. I actually do. Uh, how do you pick that? How, I mean, Jingle Jangle, that's a fun addition here. Make yeah. it work. I love the music from Jingle Jangle. They had some bangers. My Guilty Pleasure of the Year, Husevik from My Marianne and, and Will Ferrell from Eurovision Song Contest. How do you pick that glorious song, that song that I keep clicking on in my uh, Spotify that is not the comedic song of the group. I heard people saying that there's one of two comedic songs. No, Husafix not funny at all. Husafix like a great, you know, crowd pleasing ending finish. Oh my God, it was wonderful. It's well, really the, hard to pick them over the others. The only defense I'll have, and maybe this is more a defense for uh, how do you decide the winner when you actually get to the Oscars, as opposed to how do you pick against them being nominated in the first place, is the the history from the Academy here in this category isn't necessarily always going and defaulting with the most important issue song right. That's or the true. issue. Mo I mean, you know, Lady Gaga's Till It Happens to You was up. I don't, it wasn't upset because the Sam Smith Bond song was the leader the entire way, even though Lady Gaga probably should have won and certainly stole the night when she did her performance live on stage. Even last yes. year, I wouldn't, you know, the song from Harriet has more meaning than than the song that ended up winning from Bernie Toppin and Elton John, but it that's what they went with. So uh, there is, again, I don't know that you're going to be able to keep those names from being nominated at the Oscars, but there's a case to be made against the, the Academy picking the most important issue or movement song for the category win. Here's another thing, though. What if they picked five issue movement songs and it's all the same issue this year it's, it's mm. about civil rights it's about black lives matter it's it's that issue and th it could be an academy statement that there's five representatives that five intermissions musical interludes during the broadcast are going to broadcast that particular message this could be a very important part of of the of the oscar show and it could be a stamp on on the entire event yeah, and it could also be a fucking landmine because what if it's four of those and the Will Ferrell song from Eurovision? And that, you know what I mean? Like, or the song from Borat. Like, those oh. could. <laughs> there's, there's a potential here for a very, very important moment or a very, very colossal screw up. There's potential for hilarity and nonsense as it always is in at the oscars but let's let's look if rain song from minari gets nominated that's a that's a beautiful song as well that a lot of times shows up in an academy five and best original song and we did you know 14 of these right i mean mm -hmm. the, i think the the 2014 one you're talking about was that yeah. 2014 I, I, 14 or 15 i think yeah all right 
there was like a Stingray song from a nature documentary. Remember right. that? You know, right. and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful <laughs> song. It was a Stingray song. Just look it up. It's right there. Now, Mike, <laughs> this is a mostly instrumental and a really, really a gorgeous song. I listened to this today. And in green, from Darius Martyr, I'm sorry, Darius Martyr's brother, Abraham Martyr. I mean, it's this kind of this acoustic thing, and he's playing with the sound like they did in the movie. And it's an affecting song from Sound of Metal. So... I, I think those two got, got a good shot. Here's what I am perplexed by, even though it was hilarious in the film. What is Wuhan two, uh, Wuhan flu doing in here from mm, Borat, too? Yeah. So, looking over these, Sasha Baron Cohen had a nice moment when the Globe noms were announced. Yeah. You know, he could make history by winning, being the first man to win two acting performances in the same night for different movies and blah, oh, yeah. blah, blah. That's all great. Um, I wonder if what happened on January 6th at the Capitol is going to negatively impact Borat across the board, because huh. it really didn't hit me until I was looking at this, but nominating that or not nominating, but having that song on a sh- any kind of shortlist or any kind of nomination, watching Sasha Baron Cohen sarcastically. I, I don't, I don't know how, what the right word is, but you know, taking the piss out of the very real yeah. flames that led to that incident. I wonder if there's going to be, just a sour taste in your in people's mouths about getting to that point. And it's not his fault. I mean, he's certainly not on the side of them. He's exposing the hypocrisy of the It works in the movie. Right. But I, I just wonder, I mean, it was that type of mindset that was led to what happened on January 6th at the Capitol building. Yeah, it works in the movie. It does not work with everything our president, our new president, has been saying, and that we got to come together and all the all the unity discussions, all the unity speeches. It would be... It would be, it would not be a classy move, let's just say. Yeah, I don't think so either. I wonder if that would hurt Borat, not only in this category, but I wonder if it would, you know, does it, does that bad feeling, does that ill will extend itself to, to holding itself against Bakalova down the card too, or up the card? So, uh, just a lot of different variables as we're working towards fixing these narratives and what's actually going to take hold as we get into the Oscars voting. Uh, as far as this category, though, I don't think it matters. I think her is going to win. Oh, you think so? And, yeah. and, you know, like these categories, I never know. I just don't. Like, original song, I mean, who am I? I was a <laughs> 90s grunge guy. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's half the fun of our, you know, original song half yeah. episodes back in that, you know, 14 episode playlist or whatever. We don't know what we're talking about as music critics. So that's why I'm like saying, like, I don't know who they're going to pick. Like, I can't really weigh these on their merits because I don't know. So maybe. Maybe the issues take take hold, and that would be a cool statement, I would say, for the Academy. Now, I, I just I can't make heads or tails. Like I think Husevik's great, so what am right. I? I love it. I mean, I love the Another Round song. I love the Travis Scott song from Tenant. Those were snubbed. Too, yeah. uh, the Outpost song that just got a choice nom. Uh, that was snubbed. The uh, the Globe and Choice nominee, Mike Tigris and Tweed from the U.S. versus Billy Holiday again, a U.S. versus Billy Holiday snub. So you know, there's there's there was some issues with this categories uh, from people. All the promising young woman songs not here as well. Maybe they should have just given an honorary nom to or an honorary shortlist spot to Stars Are Blind by Paris Hilton, even though that song came out in 2003, <laughs> just because for promising young woman that was yeah. a cool ass soundtrack and 
they came up with a bunch of new songs for it. All right, Michael, <laughs> let's take a timeout here real quick and let's gauge what the major best picture contenders are doing thus far. We just went over four categories and let's let's take a stop for a second because some got three in the shortlist. Mm-hmm. We have Mank with Makeup and Hair VFX and Original Score. We have One Night in Miami with Original Song, Makeup and Hair. Oh, I'm sorry, they had two. Uh, Trial of Chicago 7, Minari Soul also got two apiece. One apiece for Borat 2, Defy Bloods, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, News of the World, Sound of Metal. And does any of that does any of that scream coattails for you? Does that I mean does it bolster your opinion of Mank with this academy? Yeah, I, I, that's that's the biggest one that sticks out to me is if you're going to talk about coattails and Oscars puzzle theory and how you have to win at least one or two of the technicals to be taken seriously as a best picture contender, et cetera, et cetera. The makeup and hair is the most egregious shortlist appearance from Mank for me, but it makes the most sense because Mank has been, you know, one of the higher nominated pictures in every major precursor, or every award show we've talked about so far. So I didn't think Mank would be taken that seriously as a best picture on the year. If Fincher mm-hmm. wasn't going to be taken seriously as a best director, maybe we have another parasite type upset in the making on both accounts this year. Well, we had helmet hair and not a lot of gore from 1917 get nominated last year. So maybe yeah. you're right. All right, Mike, this is a big one for me. <laughs> big one for confusion as well. Documentary <laughs> feature. All right, Mike. Again, as a functioning crazy man, you've already seen most of these, so I'll 14. present and you say how they stack up as contenders. Uh, what was the number you said? 14 out of 15. You're I, I got to see one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good Lord. I'm the one that's stuck in my room with my foot up on a cast. Anyway, <laughs> all in the fight for democracy on Amazon Prime. Give us a synopsis. Thank God for Stacey Abram, uh, Abrams' important doc, important to our country. Show it to every civics class in America. Really works. Is it? Is it too partisan? I wonder if they would not pick it because it's too partisan. I wonder if schools won't show it because it's too partisan but i don't care i'm ch- i got my foam finger in the air yeah all and in also the fight for democracy don't overlook the uh the academy loving stacy abrams too that ultra progressive body for the most part anyway we know they're they're not you know super all the way there but if they're the more diverse they get the younger they get i would think that would lean in that direction totally um something that you've been raving about for months now boy state from apple tv plus yeah god help us from the youth of this country <laughs> Uh, look, it's about like, uh, Texas, uh, fake elections with kids. What do they call that? The American Legion summit with all these kids playing model UN and Mm -hmm. it is wild. Mike, this is probably one of the most entertaining documentaries of the year. It's on Apple TV plus. It just makes me wonder if it's going to get nominated for all these other serious docs here because it is such kind of a crowd pleaser. But it's about an important sub- subject as well, so it's it's got a good chance. I may watch that tonight, as a matter of fact. Collective on VOD, Michael. All right, God damn it, the world needs better health care. Look, if Honey Honeyland could be a dual nominee last year, in my opinion, this is a superior film, and it's going to show up again in the shortlist. I've, I've reviewed it before. It is a tough watch, but an important one. And along those lines, I imagine you could say the same about Crip Camp on Netflix. Yeah, I'm done being religious with my God this, God that. All right. I, <laughs> one of my favorite films of the first half of the year, of the mm-hmm. first quarter, it was my favorite film. I did rewatch Crip Camp, and it lost some luster. Like, I went from an A- minus down to a high B+. Plus. It's still very, very good. I felt like the pacing, like Andrew actually mentioned it in our review. 
he didn't like the pacing at the end of Act Two there. Right. And I think he's right uh, coming back to it. Here's the thing: this branch and archival footage docs, they don't go for yeah. archival. You know, so it's just like I fear for Crip Camp. You know, lasting as long as it should probably is it not. Fair point. Probably a good point. What about Dick Johnson is dead on Netflix as well? Well, we've reviewed it. A tearjerker, a crowd pleaser, one of the best docs of the year for me from Netflix. I love it. A lot of people are, you know, awarding it throughout mm-hmm. the award, you know, the season here. And again, that makes me worried <laughs> because the Academy branch doesn't necessarily go for the peer pressure from the critics. Certainly it's, do not. It's also a different kind of documentary though. I, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Like who's going to stage their father's death for five years and, if, you know, record that as a documentary and then, you know, edit it together. And like, it's, I've never seen a project like this. Very bizarre. Maybe tough to relate to because of that though. Loved uh, it though. It's yeah, it works. Yeah, it works yeah. like hell. I mean, Kirsten Johnson, brilliant person. I love that man, Dick Johnson, and I I really love that. So it's going to be one of my top ten, fifteen movies of the year. I cannot believe this movie is on this list. Gunda, Gunda. It sounds like it was in a comedy sketch here. <laughs> and uh, look, this is ninety minutes about a mother pig with a B story of a one legged chicken. <laughs> no dialogue. So manipulative boring most of it is very boring and like painfully boring just like there's a bug on a on a pig and the pig's just like (laughs) for hours but damn it if gunda doesn't come together and break your heart into smithereens uh the fucking joaquin phoenix i can't believe this man what a preposterous synopsis it's good it's still a good movie it's worth a watch i mean are you gonna eat ham or bacon ever again though i don't think so i good god (laughs) all right what about mlk fbi that's on vod right now i have reviewed this before it just makes martin luther king jr more heroic even though it makes him more human because they go over what the selma biopic what uh, we saw in that 2015 uh, film that should have been a Best Picture nom. Um, uh, we we see his extracurricular activities being documented or at least rumored about by mm-hmm. historians. That leverage upon his career, upon his life from the feds, the po- most powerful of the powerful, and he's still taking a stand against Vietnam. He's still taking a stand for civil rights when he's got that kind of leverage over him. What yeah. a hero. Just That's a hero amazing. of the ages. The Mole Agent is on Hulu. I want to hug everyone, and I've reviewed this before on the show. <laughs> just a, a glorious movie about a secret agent, which is just a guy hired uh, by a private detective to basically live in an old folks home. <sighs> and spy on something uh, goings on and it's just a beautiful story just a lot of hugs i love the mole agent almost hit play on that the other night just because of the uh, the synopsis of uh, the uh adorable it's adorable yeah. yeah couldn't think of the word that wasn't synopsis since i've said that about 18 times so far uh <laughs> my octopus teachers on netflix michael i want to hug every octopus <laughs> after this do- just magnificent clever creatures like it's a nature doc it's also a, a, a human interest story Everybody calls this movie manipulative. Is it more manipulative than Gunda, though? Christ almighty. <laughs> uh, Ann Thompson, uh, and, and that article that I referenced earlier, the six things I learned from the shortlist, she, like there was, they were taking a stand that my octopus teacher would not 
get a nod at the end of the day, citing many things. Go read the article. But popularity on Netflix is, you know, it, it, my octopus teacher did very well there. So I was surprised to hear. I thought this would be, a, you know, just another crowd pleaser that may have some chance because it's got some substance, too. Speaking of things that people didn't expect to make this list, not not Turno from Hulu. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. It's about ISIS. It's an Italian film, right? It beat all those others that we've been talking about. We'll talk about more in a second. The Life Ahead being one of them. Naturno is the Italian representation in Best International Film, documentary trying to do both. This is about ISIS. Like, how does this work? It looks like gorgeous cinematography. It looks like a lot of master shots. I haven't watched it yet. I've avoided it like 10 times. I'm sorry. I got to so, watch it. Well, something you have watched, you have reviewed on this show previously. The Painter and the Thief is here from Hulu. An uplifting saga, Mike. They, they must have filmed this over 15 years. Jeez. I can't get over how a documentarian could live this life for so long. Like, they must have other jobs. I can't believe <laughs> we have a camera on this painter and this art thief and this unlikely beautiful friendship between this painter and the thief of her most prized painting. My God, I can't believe that we, we followed them for... 10, 15 years, whatever we did. It's amazing. The other side of that coin might be 76 days, which is horrifying. Yeah, it, it's a time. Obviously, it's timely. It's about the 76 days after the Wuhan COVID outbreak. And it's like a hero story about the frontline nurses, about the doctors, about what happened there. And it's 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 eye opening. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense that this could be that, you know, right now documentary and mm. the sense of urgency to vote for it. It, it, it I can see it happening. You've talked about time from Amazon Prime. Probably the most emotional film of this bunch, and that's saying something because these movies get the uh, waterworks going. Mm. Uh, this, the cinematography is also next level. They it shows black and white. They mix in the home video footage. It, it really is the critics' pick right now. It's leading the critical scoreboard. Time is winning a lot of awards. It won the I believe MBR and the Gotham tied in the Gotham. So time is a critics' front runner. That doesn't mean anything though with this branch. We'll see. You've also somehow reviewed the Truffle Hunters. The old Italian men, <laughs> their dogs, and food. What's not to like? <laughs> we'll wind up, wrap up the list with Welcome to Chechnya on HBO Max. Yeah, if time is not the most emotional, then Welcome to Chechnya is uh, Dick Johnson's another. But look, I mean, these docs are all very sad, but they they reward you, and they're uplifting. And Welcome to Chechnya has perhaps the greatest reward of this group because you're following real heroes like these these i mean these people who are smuggling like it's an underground railroad getting lbgtq plus community members out of these areas in russia yeah. where they're being killed and for them to be smuggling them out on this underground railroad and, and risking their lives to do so and we got you know the people filming this the journalists documentarians filming this event and this this saga is is their heroes but then of course the people able to save so many lives i'm just I, the people who are who are standing up for those rights in 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 russia and in, in certain areas of russia i just I, I i bow to them and and it's it's an important doc watch it on hbo max it's worth it and that's Academy fodder for whatever we do think we know about the documentary feature category and branches that uh, they tend to like those movies that have kind of spotlight on the issues with bright lines or some hope at the end of it that's 
happened more thing. often than not recently, despite what they've overlooked, which we've also harped on a bunch. You're um, not going to come away from those docs feeling worse about humanity. Right. You're going to feel better about humanity after Collective, after Welcome to Chechnya, even though you're going to go through hell. Right. Uh, with with the story and it, it's understandable but time same way i mean these they put you through a lot but uh it's worth it so gunda is... on the other hand gunda <laughs> it's shaping up maybe gunda aside but it is shaping up like an all-timer for doc feature category we've kind of talked about that all year long as well last year american factory won the oscar over the cave the edge of democracy for sama and honeyland uh, i was going to just scream into the microphone instead of saying honeyland's name to give you a little ptsd <laughs> flashback but i'll refrain this year we have time in the early lead like you've said michael from the critics and indie film award shows collective dick johnson boy State All In and Painter and the Thief. They've all seen multiple awards this year from the critics as well, but the Gotham uh, winner in this category was snubbed. A thousand cuts about uh, journalists in the Philippines. I thought this movie was terrific. I'm shocked that it's not on this list. Maybe another journalism. I, I, you know, Again, I don't want to play politics with these and marketing politics and all that. Identity politics doesn't make sense. But A Thousand Cuts was really good. It, it just missed out. But this is the year of the documentary, Mike. Mm. Hulu's totally under control. Had a lot of early momentum. I kind of expected a snub for the dissident about Washington Post journalists. Yeah, I'm Jamal really Khashoggi. surprised it's not there. I really am. I just thought it, if any, if ever there was going to be a year to spotlight that issue, and it was such a big deal in the headlines of every paper for so long. Mm. I, you know, I just think it was like a hit piece. It was one of those, but mm. I, you know, I don't, I don't. It might be a true hit piece. I just felt like it was a political quagmire. Like they're calling people murderers, and they're probably right. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. But then they're 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 going above and beyond and saying, "Oh my God, look at all these other things they're doing," and uh, like I can't imagine <laughs> like Saudi Arabia looking at the uh, Oscars and like not wanting to do something like, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I I hate to be I hate to say it that way, but it's also very you know it's a very partisan doc. Like it, it's making its point, right? And I wonder if documentarians who fashion themselves as journalists in many ways if they're you know taking in something like that and they're wishing it was more you know there was more attempts for attempts for objectivity or or not i don't know what they're what they think there but i understand like that that one didn't come off to me as a must nominate even though it's one of my best documentaries of the year all right, fair enough. Well, instead of objectivity, let's talk about subjectivity. You've seen uh, most of these, like you said, all but one, I think, right now. Do you have any early nomination predictions? All right. I think Welcome to Chechnya and Time, they're just too good, and they, 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 they leave you with such a wallop. I would be really surprised if either one of those were, were snubbed. Collective can go either way. I still think it's so important. And I felt like that was an Academy nominee forever. Documentary, documentary branch picks movies like Collective for a long time. I think the crowd pleasers are the ones that may struggle, or, or at least two out of the three big crowd pleasers. I would be shocked if we even got two. Like Boy State, Dick Johnson is Dead, Crip Camp. Those are my three favorites. Mm. I don't know if they're all three of them are getting in. Like I hope they do. I hope they're just so overwhelmingly good that they get in but i fear like gunda is gonna box one out and if i had to bet on one being boxed out right now it would be crip camp as i said i hope they all 
all get in. But I mean, again, you know, all in the fight for democracy has got to be in a lot of people's top their list because it's so important this year. 76 days. What the hell are they going to do? I don't know. I'm the worst person to ask for this. If the Academy snubs <laughs> the Obamas the same year they give Olivia Coleman the Oscar over Glenn Close again, I will cut off my arm. I will absolutely, I will remove Don't. an appendage from my body. There's no way both those things happen. Well, a couple of your appendages, you're, they're not very Right, right that's true. Right I'm not now, doing so anyone maybe. any favors anyway. That's yeah. fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> talk about international feature. Of course, last year, Parasite was the big winner. It won both the Critics' Choice and the Oscar, beating out Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Miserables, and Pain and Glory at the Oscars. Atlantics and Portrait of a Lady on Fire also were getting noms at the Critics' Choice instead of Corpus Christi and Honeyland there. So, Michael, again, You've watched most of these as well. Like I said, you have seen everything. Let's get a little synopsis going here uh, for the shortlist contestants. From Bosnia and Herzegovina, we have Quo Vadis Ida. That's a question. Okay. I <laughs> Number one, I wasn't referring to your penis earlier. It was something Fair. else, but just to set the record straight, you, had, you, had a, you, had, you were on a roll there. The people look, needed to know. Yeah. Quo Vadis Ida. I, I, look. Just a great movie. Really, really impressed with this one. B plus, 87, 88, probably a high B plus all day. This one knocks you on your ass. It's it's a suspense film. It's it's an absolute, you know, rip your soul out of your chest, finish him Mortal Kombat kind of movie. So it's not an easy watch. It's about a UN translator during a 1990s crisis in Bosnia, military occupation, where, like, all of these people become, like, a whole city is just, replanted into this un base they all become refugees at a moment's notice and she's basically just trying to save her husband and her two sons and it is one of the most unsettling films ever but it's it's just an incredible journey it's worth the watch uh, from Chile and Romania, we just talked about these documentaries that are like Honeyland last year, following a trend in getting shortlist slots in both doc and international film. We have Collective and The Mole Agent. You just talked about them both. Yeah, they're, they're good enough to get nominated. Nominate them somewhere, please. The Czech Republic is giving a charlatan. Yeah, Agnieszka Holland. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced her name. She is a tremendous director who's done a ton of US TV, premium TV, uh, HBO, etc. And she's done a few movies now. Spore from Poland. Mike, I love this movie, Charlatan. B plus all day. It's a great movie about like doctors, about science, about off the beaten path science. Because if he looks at a bottle of your piss in the air, he can tell exactly what's wrong with you physically, which appendages for in your case probably you should do away with but i Mike... was just gonna make that joke <laughs> <laughs> it's a romance too and it's a romance that really works right at its center i was blown away uh with charlatan 1940s world war ii time period but it's not like a world war ii movie necessarily but i mean you you guys be the judge i mean this this is a, this is quite the i would recommend both charlatan and quo Vadis Aida, and I would I would expect at least one of them making this five. They're both excellent. Denmark is giving us a picture that was nominated at both the Globe and the Critics' Choice, and you've talked about and reviewed before another round. It's taken a commanding lead on the Critics' Scoreboard. It has 12 wins to its name already. Yeah, another B, high B-plus for me. I, international films this year have been excellent, and is, this movie, Another Round, is on VOD right now. It's worth a watch, and I'll be honest with you, Mike. This is the one I want to re-watch the most. I got like a day 
or two with my, you know, uh, pass at this kind of film festival thing. And I haven't rewatched another round with it yet. And I think I'm going to do that tonight. All right. We have another Golden Globe and Choice nominee here with the film from France called Two of Us. Neither of us have seen that yet. It's on VOD now, though, if you want to check that out, dear listener. Uh, from Guatemala and on Shudder, we've talked about this one as well, Gaia Rona, something you reviewed positively last week, Michael. Mm-hmm. But our other blind spots include Hong Kong's Better Days, which is also available on VOD. Hulu's Dear Comrades, that's from Russia. So we'll have to report back uh, when I, I'll say when we've seen those, but when you've seen those, Mike. Very, very good. I will see them. <laughs> Mike, you did see Sun Children. That comes from Iran. Yeah, the other night I watched this. This is a strong B all day. Some rough acting, unfortunately. The child actors, I mean, they're getting their reps. They're, they're okay. Uh, strong yet sobering story, though. I mean, it's about homeless kids, homeless boys being forced into child labor by these oh, criminals over there. God. But the criminals are like kind of they're putting the story on these kids. Like there's buried treasure at the bottom of the school. And it's this crazy story. This fascinating story about these kids who like infiltrate the school based on these criminals, tell them to go find this treasure in the cellars of the school, this old building. Unbelievable. There's an uplifting pitch. <laughs> Speaking of, it doesn't end well either. So <laughs> FYI, my Lord. Uh, well, speaking of pitches that have been done on this show before, Mike, you had uh, a bit of a Shark Tank like pitch for the Ivory Coast Night of the Kings in our fall film festival variety show. You reviewed Mexico's I'm No Longer Here and Taiwan's A Sun with very high grades on the Nomcast with our buddy Andrew there. Yeah, discover all three of these films. Night of the Kings, I believe that's Neon, That's that just played Sundance. It should be coming out on VOD soon. Those two Netflix movies are worth watching. Like, I'm No Longer Here. It's kind of a music movie. It's an immigrant story, coming-of-age story. It's a walking-around New York City story, go figure. Uh, it's, it's incredible cinematography, really one that doesn't leave you. Like, you'll watch that movie, and weeks later, you'll think about I'm No Longer Here. As for a son, it might be my my biggest surprise this year in terms of a discovery Uh, i just i loved it it's an epic family drama epic domestic drama you'll laugh you'll cry there's some gangster elements it's like super suspenseful it starts out with somebody cutting off somebody's hand like in the first 30 seconds so it's fucking crazy and then it you know you got this sweeping epic tale of this one family in taiwan it's really incredible i reviewed those last two on the what we missed episode of 2020 for the Nomcast. Losing appendages is a running theme of this program all of a sudden. But to finish out here, Mike, you watched these next two on the shortlist. Most recently, Stellan Skarsgård, friend of the program here in Norway's Hope. A tearjerker. It's called Hope, but it's not very hopeful. Go I figure. loved it, though. Look, I loved it. It's a heartbreaker, but somehow it leaves you with a smile. Again, it's one of those movies that puts you through hell, but uh, it, you, you come out on the end just loving life and feeling better about it. It's about... Uh, this married couple, she realized she's, she has terminal cancer, she's told by the doctors, and they're kind of navigating, should they tell people, should they tell, they got a Brady Bunch family Good going on God. here. God. B plus all day, it really worked. And it does, and it does have you end. smiled since last April? <laughs> I have been leaning in to this pandemic and My all of word. the emotions that it brings. Well, international feature is usually not the parade of happiness anyway, uh, <laughs> nor is doc feature for the most part for that. But finally, from Tunisia, Mike, we have the man who sold his skin, which is not only a recurring nightmare I've had, but I'm going to assume is about <laughs> cannibalism. 
It's about a back tattoo, Fair and enough. you'll be happy to say it's not disgusting, <laughs> or you'll be happy to learn it's not disgusting, Mike. It, I love this movie, and it's a happy movie. It's the only, like, the only happy movies here. Uh, another round's kind of happy, but also terribly sad. All right, look, uh, the man who sold his skin got a little clunky late, but I'm still a huge fan. Another B-plus all day, very romantic. A story about the modern art world, because like this Banksy type of painter guy he convinces the Syrian refugee to get this special tattoo on his back and he has to sign like this this huge contract where every 30 days he's got to show up and just sit in a museum or sit and whoever bought him. I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. Not disgusting. Fun. Crazy ending. The man who sold his skin. For the Critics' Choice category of what they call Best Foreign Language Film, another round from Denmark, Collective from Romania, Yayorona from Guatemala, Life Ahead from Italy, Minari from the USA, which makes no sense, we've talked about that, and Two of Us from France. All right, Mike. One previously eligible snub from the Indie Spirits with reparations to be together for an unknown period of time. This movie is a shocking snub for me because this is an international film that, again... Well, maybe it, sh- it shouldn't be shocking because it's a happy movie. It's a psychological romantic mystery. It's like a psychological thriller thing, but it's a, it literally is a mystery romance. I loved it. It's playing in virtual cinemas right now. Preparations to be together for a long period of time. It's about brain surgeons who may or may not be the loves of one another's lives. Go, go watch it. I'm always looking for young love to spring up in the most unlikely of places. All right, Mike. Otherwise, we reviewed a few more snubs already with Sweden's My Little Sister and performance from actress Nina Haas. Uh, from Greece, we have Apples, which was a strange film you liked at the fall mm-hmm. festivals, as well as Israel's Ashia with Emmy breakout Shira Haas. You've talked about her a couple times on this program. What are your final snubs for this category? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you reading my copy as colloquially as you have done throughout these last two categories (laughs) and you're the man i'm very scared to say anything wrong knowing how deep a hole you're digging yourself into with all these watches (laughs) (laughs) you said people are gonna listen to me some of them will listen to me and they'll just like be in the fetal position for days uh mike i've seen the father but i've seen the father from bulgaria <laughs> I adored it. All right. It is a great father son story. It's funny. It's sad. It's worth it. Uh, the mother slash wife dies, and the son has to basically watch over his dad, who is just all into this paranormal shit. And for three days, he's like just trying to go to one spiritual advisor after another. It's quite the, the, the tale. And it's like a road trip movie there. Charter, Mike, is it? This is heavier. This is a mother son, mother daughter story. Domestic child custody dispute, but it was excellent. Charter, uh, check that one out. Finally, Mike, uh, well, two more. Arocked, a.k.a. Monster. This is a badass, crazy film set in old Ireland. I mean, old with an E at the end of it. <laughs> and it's this wild you know, story that sweeps throughout time. Potato famine going on. All kinds of crazy violence that you wouldn't expect. And... and you know, a lot of artistry there. It's a little heavy on the artistry at times, like the you know the whisper, the whispering uh, voiceover narration. I don't know if that necessarily worked, but the old I, Irish whisper, huh? The old Irish whisper right. in the old Irish language with an e, old with an e. Michael, <laughs> song without a name. What a move! Like this is another movie I can't get out of my head. This is about a heroic Peruvian woman. She is wronged in this story, and it's about the journalist trying to help her, right? 
but the shots like there's establishing shots from the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, like where they just had, they zoom back on her Peruvian mountain where she's just, and she's pregnant at the time, walking up and down this goddamn mountain. And it looks like it's from <laughs> 1910s, 1920s, Fritz Lang. I just, I'm so impressed with the, a lot of these movies, Song Without a Name from Peru. What, what You know, ch- check them out. They're really cool films. So uh, in all seriousness, great job by you providing in-depth uh, analysis and synopsis quickly for what was, I think, 35, films there between the doc feature category and the international feature category for the short lists. Uh, we can move on here talking about a couple of the short categories. We'll start with live action short film here. Uh, we're going to trade back and forth because amazingly Mike hasn't seen these yet uh, and uh, there's not many that I have as well. There's a few in there that I think we can give comment on though, but as far as live action short films goes, there's Batu. This is going to be just an exercise in me yeah, pronouncing these wrong. Well, you could just say like we don't know any of these films for right. live action short the human voice is the tilda swinton pedro almodovar uh one so like we're gonna have to watch these we will watch these and I, yeah i could take the, i can't actually take the presentation here mikey i mean check out david if that short ever comes out that was a snub for me that i called out uh when we did the film festival review documentary short there's three from netflix we have uh, a love song for latasha we have the speed cubers which i recommend to everybody that's 40 minutes but good good god my heart uh watch that one that's really cool about rubik's cube solvers and their kids huh. uh, unbelievable anyway what would sophia loren do i have not watched this one yet but i think it's about sophia loren on netflix <laughs> but my snub for documentary feature documentary short rather is quilt fever Ow, how did this movie That's the one not... about the club, right? I love this movie so much. <laughs> Seven minutes, the fastest cry I've ever had about these old ladies just knitting these quilts and taking their uh you know their yarn literally around the country i loved quilt fever i don't even know if it was eligible but i'm calling it stuff <laughs> mike animated short if anything happens to you i love you is pr- talk about how to cry and yeah speaking six of minutes. quick cries and i've seen actually that get a lot of traction outside of film like i've seen just random people on social media coming across that on netflix and being like this destroyed me this left me in sure, tears sure. i'm ruined blah 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 so I, I i think that's actually gotten more mainstream uh traction than any kind of animated short or any short movie period i've seen in the last few years and you wonder if the fact that the public has seen it, everybody's praising it, yeah. is going to help the voting body at the end of the day. And if it's the one movie that the, the people actually vote on, I, I don't know. I think uh, Burrow was on Disney+. Plus. I thought Burrow was in here. Anyway, some other list did not have Burrow on it. Anyway, Play Date with Destiny, that was The Simpsons. How the hell is Disney not pushing that? That might be the best thing I saw on a screen in 2020 funny as hell right yeah really, and really it, it, is there a better story than the simpsons getting an oscar <laughs> i don't know i mean maybe they're just like all right this is for up-and-coming filmmakers we're not gonna push i mean then again pedro almodovar is like no my oscar until <laughs> 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 the switch like no give me the oscar <laughs> anyway like i mean established people made some of the stubs that i talk about that are you know these are up-and-coming filmmakers i guess i don't know cops and robbers canvas i reviewed those with andrew 
really surprised that those two Netflix animated films are not here, I, I would say, because, like, Cops and Robbers, every kind of animation you would, could imagine is just, like, mastered in seven minutes. Like, the dude just goes from one to the other, and it's gorgeous. And then Canvas felt cool. like it was from Pixar people. It felt like a Pixar film, another How to Cry in 10 Minutes kind of <laughs> short, but it was just that good and I, I they're not here so we'll have to watch these movies as we yeah. always say and well last year we did we both did yeah. and we reviewed them all yeah i actually I, I really have found myself enjoying the short categories as well just the mowing them down and seeing the efficiency and storytelling and artwork and all of those both animated and and uh, live action so that'll be fun to do uh that is where we will put the brakes on this episode where we know we have about five or six more categories to go uh but like we said it's getting down to the nitty-gritty it's oscar season in full force and that's why we're being a little more regular with the episodes and giving you a lot more content to hopefully digest uh including these sprints where we go through 30 some odd movies and congrats (laughs) and props to you again michael because i dare anyone else to do it in a more efficient and timely and entertaining way than uh you did here for these past about half hour or so but guys as always we want to hear from you that's what's most important to us uh did any of these shortlists that we went over today any nomination or potential nominations i should say surprise you shock you and what were your biggest snubs let us know all of that as well as any other comments questions or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the mmo empire you can leave us all of those on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you get your podcasts including and especially the apple podcast app where if you happen to be listening to us right now if you would be so kind as to tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five-star review it would take all of about 10 seconds out of your day and make our entire one michael i don't know if you're tired of talking yet but if you're not let's have some <laughs> words of wisdom and what's coming next from mmo well you're a real mensch for giving me the floor with those categories <laughs> that i've been obsessed with this year that i've really enjoyed well, you've done a hell of a job i mean i'm busting your your chops again but you're really doing a hell of a job you really have gotten into everything whether it's a festival or whether it's different films or whatever so it, it's it's hopefully just a joy to our listeners to familiarize themselves with more and more nominations well i was excited to be excited today so i'm glad uh i'm glad that happened i, I didn't have to talk about music i'm still like rattled from that <laughs> golden globe like seriously that golden globe episode we did like we were really in negative town it was it was yeah, scary but for to be... good reason. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I stand by yeah. that. You know, I, it's all right. Well, I'm gl- I'm glad you you're not as rattled as me. But yeah. I tend to try to be. Again, we're we're not film promoters here necessarily. We're just not. We're we're, we're talk radio guys. We, that's what we want to be with movies and etc. That's why you know we've been putting our little new catchphrase talk radio for movie people kind of out there. And I I think it works. I think it fits us. And in talk radio, I mean it's it's a hot take. Back and forth. I mean, we've grown up on listening to talk radio forever, and I don't know if I get there. You probably are more the talk. You definitely got the talk radio voice, Mike. But uh, I think anyway. I just... I've just been harping on the fact that if Scott Feinberg of all people, who's so level-headed and so beloved and, and yeah. does such a good job, can write a piece just burying the HFPA, I think we're in okay company with what we put out for our reaction episode. I yeah I have I guess I'll have to go back and listen to it but I just remember <laughs> just like needing a shower afterwards I felt I really felt bad but I think this was like the positivity back to everybody high five kind of episode yeah. that I tend to like more than you maybe so you'll have to shower <laughs> after this one listen can you shower right now you're still laid up you're no you're I, I I've got one of those sleeves I put over the cast I've been able to shower for like the last week it's been great there you go and have you scratched. 
your itches to the no i haven't yet. it's terrible thank You're you missing for reminding out, man. me <laughs> please anyway what's coming next more oscar race checkpoints more oscar spread profiles judas and the black messiah is something we're going to weigh in on soon more work to do on mike, mike and oscar.com but we are making some headway words of wisdom is you know watch these movies i mean it, this is a cool time of year guys i mean this is this is fun i know i'm gonna watch some more movies mike you're gonna watch some more movies everybody watch more movies and let's get the conversation going uh as uh you know all these votes start to happen let's pressure the voters i know you know we may not make a huge dent but we can make a dent we saw I mean, I know pundits talk about it all the time where all right, critics and film Twitter does not win the Oscars. But then again, the runaway buzzed about film Parasite won the Oscar last mm-hmm. year. Good I point. think that mattered. Good point. And uh, thanks to your hard work here in this episode, now you can know what to watch and what does tickle your fancy and, and where you can find it even so. So, guys. Oh, I'm reality... a fancy tickler, Michael. <laughs> I'm a fancy tickler. People have <laughs> no. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Can't cut it, but uh, we should cut it. What anyways. a way to end. Yeah, just terrible. It just, just discredits everything I've said the whole episode because I had to make had to a go sophomore joke. Just had to go for the joke. Tick- I had to do I it. respect it. Never mind. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you very soon. See you.